Welcome to Mysteries, Myths, and More. I'm your narrator, Joyce Keller Walsh. My intention is to use this podcast to tell a story each month, sometimes fiction, sometimes not, that I hope you'll find interesting, engaging, and provocative. Welcome to Episode 13, Willie Weidman Pleasance. It's a great pleasure for me to welcome my friend and colleague, Willie Weidman Pleasance, to this podcast. Hers is a remarkable life journey, and it's by no means over. Willie is a poet, short story writer, TV host, radio host, educator, and volunteer to numerous organizations. I'm going to direct you to the show notes to this podcast to see her extensive bio, because we won't be able to cover everything in one gulp. Welcome, Willie. Thank you, Joyce, for having me. Oh, pleasure. We did not plan this, but it just so happens that this is Black History Month. And it ties into what I hope will be the beginning of our conversation about something that you experienced growing up in Alabama. And would you tell us about that, Willie? Oh, when I was um, 12 years old, I had a great opportunity to meet Martin Luther King. Um, I, we were protesting, and um, this is Alabama. This is back in the 60s, early 60s. I was 12, and um, he came to our town, and we were sitting there, and I had an opportunity to do a short film that of this perfect e- event and um, had an opportunity to do a film of, of my conversation about the story and how it evolved, and it actually got shown on Roxbury Film Festival. What town was this in Alabama, really? Um, York, Alabama. Where is that in relation to like, um, Birmingham? or? It's west, mm-hmm. west, probably 26 miles out of Mississippi rural? from the line. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, rural, very rural. It still is. <laughs> it still is. Not much change in the south of small towns. But um, at that time, um, there were certain places that we were told that we were protesting against. There were certain stores, which we really made an impact mm-hmm. in that town. We really um, put a lot of stores out of business mm-hmm. because we decided we would not shop there. And just as I think as time go on, we find that kids, young children, kids are kind of the people who are leading it. Mm -hmm. Because at that Mm -hmm. time, we were young. Our parents were working the ones that could. But the kids were really out there demonstrating. What was your impression of Martin Luther King Jr.? Oh, he was bigger than life. <laughs> he was really bigger than life. And at 12, everything is bigger than life. Where did you see him? Was it in a... It's an, it was in a small church. We mm-hmm. gathered in a small church. That was where you got all your information. That's where things kind of trickled in through was the churches. And um, he actually uh, came to speak. And I was up front, crisscross applesauce. (laughs) Did you know who he was? Not at first, but then somebody said who he was. Mm -hmm. You know, Martin Luther King is here. Wow. Mm -hmm. And we sang those old spiritual songs. We ain't gonna let nobody turn around. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. It was (laughs) bringing back memories. (laughs) But then fast forward many years to Massachusetts, to you as a poet, and we'll, we'll talk about that, but 
you did something at the state house that kind of brought everything full circle. Tell us. Yes, I had an opportunity to uh, be one of the speakers at one of the Martin Luther King breakfasts. And I had a chance to do my poem that I wrote about, just so you know. It's a celebration for the king, Martin Luther King, that is. He was a man of dignity, character, and finesse, which made people take notice, even the press. His writing had wisdom of insights, defending our civil rights. His speeches inspired a world to change, where blacks no longer felt ashamed. I want you to know, audience, <laughs> anyone who's listening, this was done from memory. You were not reading that. That just that blows me away. <laughs> um, how did you become a poet? How did you get from that 12-year-old child through the years? And it's only within recent years that you've been writing. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Within the last, I think, 15 years, I've really been writing poetry. I love poetry. I've always loved hearing it. I always wanted to be an actress. <laughs> and you got the chance, didn't you? And I you? got a chance. I did. I did. But um, poetry yeah. is something that kind of stuck with me. And I said, I want to leave this earth doing what I love. And I prayed a lot, and I asked God to guide me into what my passion was. Mm -hmm. And I one day, all these poems and all this writing, it's just kind of my head was about to explode. And I started writing, and I kept looking at, who wrote this? <laughs> I don't know who wrote this. It can't be me. Was this after you retired that you had the time to do just this? Before retired, mm -hmm. Just before I retired. Just before I retired. I was so frustrated at my job that I took an early retirement. I just, there had to be more to life than a nine to five. Mm -hmm. And I was able to uh, retire early from the state and start doing things I love. I started acting, I took some acting classes, I did some piano. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did everything that I thought I really wanted to do. And I got an opportunity. I just say, Lord, I wanna get in a play. So he, I found a play, um, a 10-minute play I was the head person in. Is this and how it works? Yeah. <laughs> I just said, Lord, I just want to I want to be in a major film. And here comes, here comes the boom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you remember when you first found your voice and people listened to you? Oh, you know, Joyce. Yeah, I think I you witnessed were, you this. <laughs> I did. I witnessed this. But you were, in, you, you were instrumental in it because when I wrote my first book and I landed with um, Alberta and met you and Pat, I was just writing poetry. And you said, Willie, you should read, you should really recite that. And I go, yeah, you know, I think I should. And then I went to Bunker Hill. They had an open mic. And I said, you know something? I'm going to try it. And my son kept saying, Ma, you just can't read it. You got to recite it. And I said, oh, okay, you can't, you got to remember your stuff. <laughs> so I did, and, that, and it flows so much better because it comes from the heart. Do you remember being at the Cranberry Festival uh, and you read in front of children? That's oh where I first God. heard you read. It was magnetic. Yeah. They had one particular girl, little girl. She was about, I guess, about 10. She came up to me and a whole bunch of other kids were there. And she said, um, what's your book about? And I said, I do poetry. What, what, what book 
is this? You want to give them the title? It was Make Truth a Habit. And that was your first book? No. Ain't That the Truth was my first book. But this was the second one we were at the Cranberry Fest. Mm -hmm. And she said, um, I said, oh, I got a point for you. I got one for you. I said, my name. Mm -hmm. Call me by my name. It's always the same. I'm not a W and I'm not a B. So when you see me, call me by my name. I'm not ashamed. It's always my name. And she stood there and she said, oh, my God, that's me. That's me. So she she went to her aunt and she said to her aunt, you got to buy that book for me. <laughs> you got to buy it. And then she brings three other kids over. And she said, can you do that poem again? <laughs> and I watched you and I watched them and they were riveted on you. It was Unbelievable! I had one girl followed me around like every <laughs> event I went to. She said, she said, she kept coming to. She goes, I know you, I know you. <laughs> and then she would bring three other people over to hear me recite the poem. <laughs> she said, How do you do that? How do you make people have chills when they hear you? <laughs> <laughs> and how did you get from that then to your own cable TV show, um, which I is have, on Boston Neighborhood Network, by yes. the way? We, um, I have been looking for interviews like, you know, when you're author, you're always looking for interviews. You're always looking for people to um, promote your book. And I said, you know, some, I went down to um, Fairhaven. I've gone to New Bedford for interviews. I've gone down on the Cape for interviews. So I'm like, this is kind of fun. I like this. So when I went to Boston Neighborhood and they were offering a class, I said, you know, I bet I could do this. And sure enough, I became a producer, and I host my own show called Willie's Web. I love it. It's been for a couple of years now, hasn't it? How Eight long? years. Eight years. Oh, wow. wow. Time go fast. Yeah, it does. Are you doing it this season as well? Yes, I am. I'm starting up in February. February the 25th will be my first show. Mm-hmm. And we are doing it on uh, white privilege. Mm-hmm. You did that once before. Yeah. yeah. I had a lady come in. She wrote a book on uh, white privilege. And and I want to also tailor back, you know, on um, that, the black issues mm-hmm. and um, racism. Because I think people, they just need to hear it, mm-hmm. especially young black kids. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Hear the history. You have to hear the history. You went to the Martin Luther King Breakfast again this year, I understand. Yes, I did. I what, did. Did you speak there? I spoke last year. Oh. I did it last year, but not this year. I just mm-hmm. went and enjoyed myself. <laughs> <laughs> but how did you get into the radio show? Um, BNN also has a radio um it's um, tight. It's FM uh, 102.9 FM, and my show is called The Village. So you take a class. And you can be a DJ. So I thought about, that's cool. I'll do a half an hour DJ. And me and my sister, I'll pull them in. Of course, I pull my sisters in. (laughs) How many sisters do you have? I have eight sisters. (laughs) (laughs) And I pull them in all the time. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Give us the title of each of your books. And I'm going to ask you why you started with that. Um, The first book I wrote is Ain't That the Truth? And that one was my hazy, crazy working experience. I wrote about everybody at my job. (laughs) (laughs) So the second one is Make Truth a Habit. And they're all short stories and poetry. And my third book is Stretching the Truth. Mm -hmm. 
Are you compilation working on another one? Or? No, what we what I decided to do was to um, help other writers mm-hmm. promote their work, and we did an anthology uh, with other writers because I said. You can write, and you can write a story. We'll help you write your story. And for people who were interested in doing their own story, I was able to help them, and we published it. And this was because of the library? where Because you had of a, the mm-hmm. library, the library, um, Uppins Corner Library, and we are the friends of the Uppins Corner. Mm-hmm. And we actually was able to get a grant from the Citywide Friends who helped us out in publishing, the cost of publishing it. And it's a fundraiser. We use it as a fundraiser for the li- library mm-hmm. because I'm not, I'm the president of the Friends. <laughs> and I'm in not a fair time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not able to, I'm not that person to go out and get a lot of grant money and, mm-hmm. you know, do fundraising. But I thought this would be a great opportunity to do a twofold. It helps the community tell their story, and we get an opportunity to use it as a fundraiser. As I recall, there was a, a another group that participated in this besides the workshop. And yes. Tell us about that group, too. There was a group called BFIT. It's at the Boston Home, and it's a MS. Uh, neurological um, diseases. And what we did was we helped them tell their story. And they are also part of the book. And the book is called uh, Right On, Right On by the Community Writers. I saw the video. And Authors Without Borders oh. was really <laughs> instrumental in uh, helping publish it. The uh, the video of the after party was <laughs> Really striking. It seemed to me as though those writers were finding their voice for the first time. They were. Tell us a little bit about what kind of reaction you got to that. Right. Um, We did a book launching party at the library, and we gave the writers an opportunity to talk. And it's actually up on um, video. If anyone wants to go and watch our book launching, it's at um, Boston Neighborhood Network. And and you can type in Willie's Web and you can see that book launching. But they were so thrilled to be, you know, people always talk about becoming authors. And they have this work that they tend to put away and never do anything with it. So this was their opportunity to get it done. Mm -hmm. And we were the force behind getting it done. You must be very proud of that. Yes, yes. They were. I I have people now waiting for the book signing. (laughs) (laughs) What's your next project going to be, do you know? Mm, I thought about it on my way here today, and I said, what? Because, see, I'm always afraid to say what I will do Mm -hmm. because it will come true. So I'm thinking (laughs) that I am going to take one of the stories and I'm going to make it into a film. Great. That's great. That's a new avenue for you. Yes, yes, yes. And it will happen. (laughs) I love your positivity. (laughs) I've got to learn some of this. It will happen. You have recently had a very tragic experience in being Mm dehoused. Lead us up to that for the moment and how that is going to orient you in terms of what you do next. Um, we recently, in July the 4th, we had a fire, and due to fireworks, believe it or not, and we were displaced. And it's amazing how you 
see people and you become homeless. <laughs> it's it's like not by choice. Mm-hmm. But then you think about all the people that it has happened to. And and for me, it really took me back to kind of um, underst- really understanding of how it felt to be home- homeless. And I, w- I kind of walked around in a daze afterwards, mm-hmm. kind of detached, not knowing what what's next. It's like, I, you know, I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's uh, trauma. Yes. It's a trauma p- that we go through sometimes, and we don't realize that we are in trauma. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I found myself trying to, um, for a time, to get back to doing and, and finishing that project was, was really uh, good for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, finishing the book and getting it published kind of grounded me a little bit. For, when do you think you'll be back in your home? Uh, we probably won't be back in our home until the end of this year. The end of this year, so more uh, than a year. More, oh, yes, wow. more than a year. Will that find its way into your writing, do you think? Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got so many stories. I got every. I wrote my sister a poem, her and her husband, dealing with being a grandparent. <laughs> Speaking of that, can you give us another poem? Oh, let me see. I like this one. Okay. This one, uh, a great poem. If I could write a great poem, I would compose verses to be remembered long after I'm gone. I would mentally walk you over beaches that felt like cotton beneath your feet. Use words that stop judgmental thoughts, one that prejudge women and men because of their sex and color of skin. If I could write a great poem, I would evoke emotions that paint black images in your mind, make you colorblind. The power in your word would float into deaf ear, giving them the gift to hear. My expressional form would free thoughts, capture the ones that got locked out, catch them before they fall through the crack. That's just an excerpt. I won't. That's okay. (laughs) You know, there are so many that I like in particular, but um, you just go, and you're a rhyming poet, which is unusual for this day and age. That's what I hear. Every time I I took a class Mm -hmm. and she said, don't rhyme, don't rhyme. I said, I don't know how not to rhyme. That's how it comes to Mm me. Mm hmm. It comes to me that way. So this is my poem. Can I read it? Oh, please. Um, I think I wrote it in here. I was trying to not rhyme, and I said, (laughs) I don't know how to do that. I really don't know how to do that. So I said, okay, I'm going to try. So this is my poem, A Talent of Rhyme. Setting in solitude, trying to change a talent With this poem, I decide to turn off my rhyme. Heart holding back a gift, a rawul from God. A reality change, left a dying distinction. Felt like a popsicle pop without its pop. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going back to rhyme. I I said, I don't know how to do that. You've had so many facets to your life. And one of them has to do with the Jumpstart program, too. Yes. Are, are you still involved with that? Or? No, Jumpstart for um, the seniors, they canceled the program, mm. which is a sad 
day in history for me because I think seniors teaching uh, young children is the best way because we are young kids teaching young kids is hard because we know what manners and what it looks like and they tend to respect you because when I go into a class and I'm talking to the young kids the first thing they have to say to me is Miss Willie Mm -hmm. you have to show me that respect and we don't no foolishness you know and they loved it Miss Willie and I loved uh, talking to them and being with them because I could teach them how to write, sound out words, to play. And when they take that out of school, it's going to be very difficult. And there's no substitute for this. There's no substitute. No substitute. So, yeah, they took that program program away. and But they still have Jumpstart with the college students. Oh, they? they? still do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they still do it with the college students. And you also you have some sort of affiliation with Seniors on the Move, too, do you not? Yes. There's a program called Seniors on the Move, and it's a group of us. I'm the secretary. And, of um, course. <laughs> <laughs> I get hoodwinked into these things. Um we do. We meet the third Monday at the YMCA, who sponsor us. It's about seventy or eighty of us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I do activity. I do my cross because I'm my activity director by license. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think I'm a jack of all <laughs> trades. Well, yeah, but you're master of many. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, I do these programs with them. We do uh, cognitive um, search words, and I do questions and answers, and now I got a little game going, and we get out gift certificates, you know, and then we have speakers who come in who talk about their health, mm-hmm. you know, blood, high blood pressure, how to take care of that. We talk about wills and trust. We have a speaker come in that helps them with that. And we also play bingo on occasions. Mm-hmm. And, and we do, we have dinner. We have, I mean, at dinner, we have lunch for mm-hmm. them. Um, we have lunch for, um, and we have grown from about 30 people to about 90. We are overgrown the room because there are seniors out there that need to have something to do. Yeah. They need to get out of their house. And we're living longer. That's, that's the you covered line. the spectrum. I mean, from children to seniors. Yeah. But one one further thing: What about UMass uh, Boston? The the program that uh, you do there. That's another. I te- Ashley, <clears throat> Ashley, I will be teaching again at UMass. Um, I call it my storytelling at T, which I created this course, and I'll be over there again this year um, for the spring semester. And I take my short stories, or other people's short stories, and we read them, and we discuss, I read them to them. They let, sit back and they listen. Mm-hmm. And uh, we discuss. We discuss the character. We discuss their life and how it evolved around the story. And I had one year, this lady said to me, I read the story about my mom. And it was a true story in the book. It's You, um, you Just Never Know. Is that the one where you're riding in the yes, car? Yes, okay. yeah, yes. Summarize that a little yeah. bit for the audience. My mom, my mom was sick, and she was riding to the hospital. She, I wanted to go to New Bedford to pay a parking ticket, and she 
didn't want to stay home. She wanted to come with me. So she was in the car, and she was throwing up, and she was fainting, and I'm slapping her and trying to keep her conscious. And I drive down to the hospital. We finally get to New Bedford, and we check her into the hospital. And they were all just searching, you know, looking all over her. And I'm not realizing that when seniors check in a hospital that they do a check on them for, for elderly abuse. And I got home that night, and I was telling my sister, I'm like, you know, they were checking. You know, that that hospital really does a good job. They were checking her and making sure she was all right. And it finally dawned on me, oh, my God, I might have gone to jail. <laughs> Thank God my mother was dark-skinned because I was slapping her, trying to keep her awake. They would have put me in jail. <laughs> For child abuse, mother, adult abuse. <laughs> your, your mother was a force of nature. She was. She, I uh, had the privilege of meeting her on several occasions, yeah. uh, just to raise as many children <laughs> as she did. Was, oh yeah, she, she was. She showed was. her strength. But. Yes, she was. She passed away a couple yeah. of years ago, so yeah. we we miss her dearly. I'm sure. I'm sure. What's on What's on the docket for you next? If I left anything out that you want to talk about, uh, I don't think we. I think we probably covered it all. I'm okay. sure there's something we missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm so pleased that you were able to make this. It's, it's, it's been a delight, <laughs> not only to have you here, but to know you mm. and, oh, through these you many years. Um, we come a long way together. Yes, we have. Yes. I, I, I'm going to try your method, though. I'm going to say, God, give me this, will you? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but Willie has a phrase that I've incorporated into my life. And you, right from the very beginning, and I think we all have in, in our author's group, but it's you just never know. Never know. And that's never a wonderful know. outlook because it tr- makes you want to try everything. Yes. Oh, thank you, Willie, so much for being here. And thank you, Joyce, for having me. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> thank you. If you like this podcast, please download and subscribe. It's free, and you'll find it on your favorite directories such as Apple, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. To learn more about me and my books, go to JoyceWalsh.com.